Hey there, everybody. It's Tina Conrad, AKA DJ Breast Cancer. And I am here with a very special guest. I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. And a lot of you may already know her. Her name is Rhea. She is a two-time uh, cancer survivor for both uh, breast and skin cancer. She is a self-proclaimed social butterfly and a workout addict. Um, I also call her a makeup magician. This girl is amazing with makeup. She is a prayer warrior and she is such a bright star within the community. She's really, really making a difference and making an impact. And actually it was her own advice that made me start this whole series on faith. And it has just been such an amazing and inspirational journey. And I'm just so thankful to have Rhea with me here today. So hello, Rhea. Hi, Tina. I'm so excited. Hi. And, and to see, see you in person Well, we're seeing each other in person. Um, but it's, we've exchanged so many DMS, so many like emails, uh, cards. Um, so just to have this conversation with you is really, truly a blessing. I'm truly honored to be on this podcast and for you even to include me into your hope project. Oh, yes. And we got that started. Um, so I'm really excited. We can chat more about that, but today is all about you. So um, I, I love for you to explain a little bit about yourself to just, you know, out, outside of the fun things you already kind of told me, but um, who, who is Rhea? And um, I know like right now you're just kind of trying to navigate these waters of life after cancer, which is in some ways just as challenging as obviously the cancer journey itself. Yes. So I am married. I have two beautiful kids. I'm also an autism mom, I'm, and I'm also a helping parent for the autism community. And so basically what that means is, you know, parents who have newly diagnosed children with autism, I would help, help them in their journey, kind of navigate them in the correct way or be there for them, kind of like support, kind of just like the whole cancer community. Um, let's see. I am also an, an ambassador for the American Heart Association, and it's everything that I do for them is in honor of my father. And I am originally from California, and I live in Seattle, Washington, and I moved here because of my husband. And like Tina said, I am two-time cancer survivor, skin cancer survivor, and breast cancer thriver. I love that. And you just have such a big heart. And I think that that shows like in all the volunteer things that you're doing, it's, it's really amazing. And you talk of support and helping others. Um, and you yourself kind of started up this, um, glowing up after cancer. Um, and, and you found just kind of this tribe that was like really great. And then you really kind of connected with some faith filled women. And that was kind of like, I, I believe, you know, the, the advice that you gave to me, like, Hey, could, could we have a conversation on faith? And I, I know like, since I've started this conversation on faith, many more people have reached out to me. I've had, you know, other guests on my show, but it's really been so amazing. So would love to kind of know a little bit about your faith journey. I know that faith is so important to you. Um, was it important to you before cancer or kind of describe a little bit of, of your faith and the faith journey you've been on? Well, as far as my faith, it didn't really get to where it is right now as far as having this strong faith in God until my cancer 
journey was the battle pretty much was over. Um, I, during the time of my cancer journey, the battle where I was in active treatment, I, it was kind of just like a seesaw. I wasn't quite sure where my faith should be because I had some pretty much, how do I say this? My, you know, right before I was diagnosed with breast cancer, my father passed away from a heart attack. So I still couldn't grieve. And I was kind of just mad because I wasn't ready for my father to leave. And I'm sure with everyone else, they're not ready for a loved one, especially a parent to, you know, be gone from their life or just from earth. And, I'm, and then I get diagnosed with breast cancer. And on top of that, like I have a son with autism. So I feel like just so many things on my plate and life doesn't make me, let me breathe that I wasn't quite sure where my faith is. I mean, I've always believed in God, but as far as it being a strong faith, it honestly didn't happen until after my battle of active treatment was over. Um, just because with that, with the active treatment, it was more of survival mode. That was my whole mentality is I need to get through this. I need to beat this. I need to survive this to, in order to still be there for my kids and my husband. Um, as far as faith, it was just more of after. So when everything starts to hit you, what you've been through and how you need to move forward and how you need to live your life after cancer. And that's where the faith started to kind of grow. And some of the girls in the guac group, you know, a lot of them are very faith-filled and they would remind me that Rhea, you know, God is listening, pray about it. You know, he hears you. And then it's, it's also, I feel like as a reminder coming from God in, in a different way, you know, coming from their mouth that Rhea, you, you just have to trust me. You have to listen. So when I finished my cancer battle and last year I was all about, you know, raising awareness and sharing my stories and doing all of this stuff. And I was like, all into that. There was a group, there's a guac group. But then I will be honest, like at times it was overwhelming. If you could have just only imagine, you know, you're running a group of women, you know, and how estrogen plays that role, right? I mean, it's great, but it's like also overwhelming because you have this awesome group and then you're also raising awareness and you are also you know, sharing your story. And then you also have your personal life. Mm -hmm. And that was my last year. And, but this year I told myself, I need to focus more on healing mentally, physically, just everything itself a more of focusing on my family, focusing, just having these boundaries set and that it's okay to say no. You know, I had a hard time last year where I would be asked to 
share something, do something. And I felt pressured and I felt like, oh, if I don't do it, you know, I'm going to miss out. Um, but this year I was like, you know what? I need to take care of myself. I need to set these boundaries to keep, you know, myself okay. Um, my kids are my priority, of course, but I still want to help in the cancer community. But I wasn't sure where I was supposed to be. So I was torn. I was torn. Am I supposed to be in the cancer community? Am I supposed to leave the cancer community? Um, where am I supposed to be? So I decided to pray on it. And it was hard to wait. And it was hard to listen, especially with all the noise. So I would learn basically to cancel all the noise that are going on so I can listen to him. So during that time, I just kind of was there in a wasn't sure where I'm supposed to be. I would post here and there kind of thing, but I wasn't sure where I'm supposed to be. So every day, every night, I would go to, also I would go to church once or twice a week and I would pray about it. I was like, God, you know, thank you for all these amazing opportunities, these amazing people that you sent into my life, whether it's to teach me a lesson or to be in my life for a certain purpose. Um, but I need to know this answer because I just don't know where I'm supposed to be. So finally, come this month, all of a sudden, these amazing opportunities started coming my way. Um, from these connections to these platforms to just like these awesome opportunities of platforms sharing my stories to help me raise awareness. And, and I was just like, oh my God, is, is this, God, is this what you want me to do? And okay, I'm like here listening and things are still coming along and whatnot. But I think what really sealed the deal was when I saw my PCP and um, she was talking to me and I, I was sharing all these amazing, amazing things that have come my way. And she's like, Rhea, I think God has set this path specifically for you. Mm. And I feel like it was said to him and, you know, sent through my PCP to actually tell me. And I feel that was my whole confirmation is where I need to be. Um, that his path is this for me to where, you know, I help raise awareness. I help other women. And also like even sharing my struggles, my bad days, you know, whatever it is, it can help someone out there. And I've learned this year that, let me see. I learned this year that I can, help this person without their story affecting me. Because sometimes I believe like, depending upon where you are in healing, someone, uh, someone's situation, when they tell you about it, can affect you. And it can bring you into that place where you don't wanna be, you know? And I'm sure all of us cancer survivors have been there and you start to feel the survivor's guilt. And you know, you feel like, oh my God, you know, where? where am I supposed to be? I feel like this, am I experiencing the same thing, you know? And you don't want that headspace. Um, so I had to also really think, am I ready for this? 
Am I able to separate myself from that fellow survivor story without being affected? Like being like basically helping them without it affecting me. And I, I know that I'm able to do that. So like helping these women, you know, sharing what I need to share is also therapeutic for me. It also helps me in my healing journey. And and at all, I believe it comes, joins together into faith as far as, you know, this is what I need to do. I need to also let go of what my fear is. So like life after cancer, you can, there is a point where in the, maybe in the beginning, as far as me, I would always think about it. Okay. This pain that is it cancer? Oh my God. Is this cancer? And it's yes. always kind of every little pain, every little uh-huh. thing you think is cancer, right? So the biggest thing for me this year is to learn to let that go, to let God take over. So I said, God, I am going to give this to you and I am going to trust you that you know what's best for me. And if anytime it does, I hate to like say it, but the reality is if ever reoccurs, I will face it then. But for now, I'm going to give this to you so I can enjoy my life with my kids, my husband, and just do what I want to do because I no longer want to feel sad, depressed, survivor's guilt, and it's just not healthy mentally. I think you have to live your life, but I know everyone heals differently. For me, healing is putting my faith in God, knowing the fact that, you know, he has his plan for me and that he will take care of me. That's so beautiful. Rhea, you, so many topics that we can dig into from, from all of that. Like I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like I do feel he put you on a path and I, I too feel called for doing something more, doing something different, having this um, purpose, you know, that until breast cancer came, I, I did not know or was not aware of. And so I do feel we can be the hands and feet of him and do that. With that being said, I feel, I know myself, I would imagine you are too, are a very empathic person. So you want to help people. And then in doing so, sometimes that burden becomes really hard and it's, it's really difficult, um, especially in a community where, you know, there's, there still are there people getting recurrence, a a real good friend of mine this week just announced that she, you know, had a recurrence and it's stage four and it's, it's really heartbreaking. And so one understanding all of those triggers and what they do to you, but then two having a place and a space and a way to release that because you can't carry all of that, not, you know, you're, you're burdened with your own worry, but then like when you take on the world's worry, it, it's just obviously too much. Like it's, it's just too much. So for me, I noticed my prayer journal when I set out each month for who I'm praying for to have a literal space that I can write their name in this prayer journal has helped me almost like release it to God because it's something like I can't, I can't control. And so even when I heard my friend had, you know, stage four, I write her name in there and like, you know, and then when I 
walk in the morning, I think of these people and I, and I like, but again, I'm kind of giving it to God because it's, it's, you know, bigger than me and bigger than I can handle. So I do appreciate you talking about this. And I think this whole life after cancer is a really big frontier, right? There's more cancer survivors living now than ever before, which is amazing. It's amazing that science has come so far and we, you know, are, are living like, that's great, but there's a cost and, and there's an emotional toll and there's many things that happen. And I think as a community talking about life after cancer, um, you know, yes, it's, it may be one chapter of our book, but it's still a really important chapter, right? And like, it's still there. And I think that as a community, the more that we can talk about this life after cancer and understand too, to your point, we're not all the same. We don't all heal the same. We don't all have the same triggers, but I think the more that we can talk about it and have a real conversation and then also know like the seat that God plays at the table helps us so much um, to, to let some of that go. Um, I mean, I physically remember the moment where I said to God, when I was waiting for whether I had clean margins or not, I just said, I, I give it to you. I, I give it to you. And that piece that comes with it is, is really like, I, I get really moved by it even today because it's very overwhelming, but you do, you have to kind of at some point let it go. And it's, it's hard to explain, but, um, there, there is a piece and I love how you describe like the stillness and waiting and being patient and praying all of those things, you know, so much from the, from the word of the Bible, like are things that he instructs us to do. And, and, and he will share his message with us, whether it's through a person, whether it's through a message, you know, like I do feel the word of God, um, you know, and what, what we're intended to do speaks to us. So, I do feel like that you are, you know, intended to help this community. Um, you're, you're such a helping hand and like, you're, you're just such a big heart. So I'm just really encouraged by, you know, this new chapter in your life, which I think will be really exciting. So with that being said, there's a saying that in order to know God, you have to experience God. And I know that you've had some of those moments. I, I think you even mentioned something to me too, with like the passing of your father, that like there's been moments, but wondering if you would like to share any of these moments where you truly felt that God was present there with you. Well, as far as when I was battling cancer, I feel like with God, he kind of sent my father over to me, um, here it goes. The tears are the emotional <laughs> kind of part. Um, when I was going through chemo, I always felt really cold. It, I would literally, the heater would be right next to me and I, I would be cold. I would be in, I would be bundled up. I would just feel like cold. Like it's kind of like if ice was against your skin, that's how it felt. And I would have these episodes at night and it would be every day from the time that I started chemo until my mother flew up here. So when my, my mom, she's originally from California, she came up to Seattle to help me. When my mom came, that sense of coldness went away. Mm. And then every now and then I would, even till now, I have this, what they call third eye. I can um, sense when my 
father is near or even just the smell like you know everyone has like a certain smell to them whether it's their favorite perfume or just like a scent um sometimes it would be like the burning kind of smell they say like if it's like burning something's burning or if it's like flowers someone is there around you so I feel like God put my father there to remind me that I can I can do this mm-hmm. you know and um it's hard um because I don't think even losing a parent do you ever really it, it does I don't think it ever gets better they say it gets easier but I mean for me my father passed away and then a couple months later I was diagnosed with breast cancer so I couldn't I couldn't grieve for him you know I had to basically go into survival mode and do what I have to do and then grieve for him after but I believe that even with now that I'm almost two years in remission I'm still working on that grieving for him Mm -hmm. and I believe that God put him there to, to remind me that he's there, that even at this battle, that he's there with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just feel that that just kind of during that battle, that's where I wasn't sure my faith because I was angry that my father was been taken away. I'm angry that um, I got diagnosed with cancer, but who wouldn't be angry? You know, no one wants cancer. And I wasn't understanding what was going on. So my, one of my sister-in-law said, God can move mountains. And I'm just like, okay. And I remember her first telling me this when I was first diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, okay. And she sent me a video and it's a, it's a, it's called, I think it's called Trust in Me. Um, and I listened to it. But at that point, I think I had more filled with anger than to fill with faith, you know? Um, but I understand it now. I feel like there's a time and a place for everything where either you can understand it or you can let it go, whatever it is. Um, there's also another thing. Um, I guess it depends on all, it depends on your faith. So my mother-in-law, she's very strong faith woman. And when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, she had a group prayer. She, she like, she's old school. She doesn't use the computer and print it out. She used a typewriter to print out basically what everyone's going to pray about. And she has, she just had my name. She had everything like from, I think it said something like, please remove all these cancer cells from Rhea's body, et cetera, et cetera. And then she would go to the Philippines probably every six months or probably once a year. And she asked me a weird question. And she's she's like, Rhea, I need two of your shirts. I'm just like, why? (laughs) You know, (laughs) why do you need two of my shirts? And so um, she said, basically is, I'm going to get your shirt blessed by the priest and um so basically what happens is 
she brings the shirts to, I guess it's, there's like a um, burial site, a priest or like a, or a bishop that has passed away and they would pray and they would ask the bishop or the priest that who has passed away to, you know, to remove these cancer from, for me, for me, you know, remove the cancer from Rhea. So basically when she came back, she said, wear the shirt when you go to sleep every night. So I kind of felt like, okay, this is this is weird, but okay, whatever. I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, okay, I just put on the shirt. And, you know, uh, so I don't know if this plays into it. I think it's just a kind of a multiple kind of things that got led to it. But when it came to my mastectomy, my results of my pathology report was complete response. So there was no cancer found, no lymph nodes, no nothing. So I feel that, of course, chemotherapy worked. I believe also me being um, active, exercising worked. Like I believe that it plays like a part in the whole treatment because your body is fighting. So you need that other kind of something else and I feel like that was just my therapy and still is my therapy Mm -hmm. and the faith as far as like what my sister-in-law said God can move mountains so I feel like all that all kind combined together was able to remove that cancer from my body to where it was complete remission I didn't have to do radiation I I thought I would but I I didn't. And also I had a direct mis- direct implant. And unfortunately, it was infected. And my surgeon said, Well, we can try a couple of months because you don't need a radiation. And I was like, well, let me let me just wait till after treatment. And that I waited. I saw him, and all of a sudden COVID came. Mm-hmm. And so of course there's no surgery. So it gave me time to really think. And I really prayed upon it, whether or not this is something that's for me. And of course, for every woman, it's up to them whether or not they want to have reconstructive or they want to stay flat, whatever it is. But after a year, I decided that I wasn't going to have that. And this is the craziest thing. So I don't know how you would or even someone who's listening to this would think. So I was debating. I was like, I don't know if I want to do it. Should I just do it? So I don't have to keep putting something in there, you know, in that spot. Well, my mom is very, she's like, I'm not going there for your surgery. So I don't want you to do it. I was like, well, mom, this is my body. (laughs) You know, I'm (laughs) going to do whatever I want, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, I will tell you a couple of nights after I had a dream of my father and um, my dad basically told me that your mom doesn't want you to have reconstructive surgery and um, this, you don't need it, that you don't need to have another implant. You don't need to have a D flap in because you are beautiful, that you don't need this and you don't need the surgery. And I just remember that you don't need this surgery. 
So I basically told my oncologist, I told my surgeon, I'm not having it. I didn't say like, oh, I had this dream. My dad told me that I don't need surgery (laughs) because that would just be weird. So, but that was ultimately what gave me my seal of this is what I need to do is this dream I had and my father tell me I don't need it. It's not something that will define me as a woman or um, that needs to be there, you know, because my big thing was I wasn't sure that if I were to have another implant, would I get, would it be infected again? And then it would have to come out. And if I have a deep lap and you know, that's like a whole big surgery. And, and I also had to weigh upon the fact of my son still goes to like therapy for, for autism. Is it worth me getting that in order for my son to have a better future? You know, cause I technically have to still bring him there, you know, doing like these kind of remote kind of learning and just like doing therapy online is hard for a child with autism. They're more better when they're mm-hmm. in person. So I had to really think about it. Do I might want my son to have a the best future I can give him because, you know, me and my husband won't be here for the rest of our lives. Or do I want that flap, you know, or that implant? What is more important? But for me as a mother, of course, my son future is more important than me getting an implant. But again, it's different for every, every woman, you know, just for me, I think like, for some women, they don't like looking at that area because it reminds them of what they went through. For me, it, it honestly didn't bother me. I just looked, I'm just like, okay, I have this scar that honestly, I, I battled cancer and I won. And it's, and what I went through, you know, it's not the easiest thing. And even till now, after life, after cancer, there's always those bad days. But the only thing that annoyed me is, is having to put a prosthetic in, having to put a knit knocker in to be symmetry, to go walk outside. You know, it's just kind of, here's a funny story. So I was at the gym and I was, me and my workout buddy, you know, he was like here talking to me. He's like, okay, let's do like a challenge. Let's go run one mile on the treadmill. I'm just like, okay, fine. And so here we are running and his eyes, when he looked at me, it got big. And I'm just like, what the hell? And then he's like, he like tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, and he's pointing. And I didn't know, but my knit knocker was rising up. I didn't have one of those sports bras that had a pocket. It was kind of just, I just put it in there and stuff. And he was like traumatized. I was like, I told you I had surgery and I had breast cancer and I just did it. He goes, but it's like going up. I was like, whatever. So, and it's just funny how that works. And, and during that time too, like, like if you do weights and you're like, you're bending over and sometimes they would like peek through, I mean, learn my lesson. Now I, I bought, I basically buy sports bras that have that pocket. So, you know, it stays in place, but at that time, I just put it under, you know, I just put it through my sports bra, but then every now and then it'll like peek out. And and I would joke with my friend. I was like, oh, my knock is peeking out to say hi or whatever, (laughs) you know, or like, I feel like I always have to like, you know, 
Oops. adjust and yeah we, yeah adjust and be symmetry and I'm just like yeah but I mean that was off topic but basically yeah so I feel like faith has or God has been giving me these signs but I wasn't really listening especially going through my battle with cancer it was kind of just I I kind of like I wouldn't say like I blocked it I just wasn't really listening you know, until after the fact and having to really see where I need to be and to have like some amazing like faith-filled women that I know, you know, in my life to remind me and say, Rhea, you know, God is listening. Rhea, you know, God is, you know, has something for you. And whether it's bad days where you're like, oh, I don't know if I, I can do this right now, or I, I can't believe this and this and that. And then they'll tell me like, Rhea, that's, you know who that is, right? Trying to bring you down that one bad seed. You know, you, you can't let him win. You need to overcome this. And with some, you know, just recent things that have come along lately has kind of tested, I wouldn't say really tested my faith, but I wasn't it's like, okay, God, you give me all these blessings. And then all of a sudden life strikes me with something. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, where do I go from here? And uh, I was talking to a friend last night and she said that one bad seed is Satan and you can't let him win. If God wants you to do this, you got to do it. And it's kind of just that reminder of him that actually saying to you, of course, we can't hear, you know, from him, but it's like you said, it's coming from someone else, a, a person to kind of remind you of where you need to be and kind of bring you back to the path that you were supposed to be in. I love that. And I do think the Holy, to me, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks through to people and to others. And I've had that happen, you know, just recently, I was kind of questioning a lot of things and, you know, um, just based on you know, so, social media can be an amazing place, but it can also be a place of heartbreak. And, you know, it, sometimes people's expectations um, of, I don't know, I think when you put yourself out there to a community, sometimes people's expectations of what you can do are, you know, very, very difficult. And, you know, so it, it really made me kind of turn inside and think, and like, am I doing the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, all those challenges. And then I went for a run and I listened to this Life Church podcast usually every Sunday. And it was just a message that I needed to hear. And it was about, you know, just um, you don't have to be perfect. And by the grace of God, like you, it doesn't like basically you're not defined by your works. Um, and it's all about the grace of God. And so it really did kind of shine a light that like I, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to keep doing what I feel God wants me to do. And so it really kind of helped. Um, me to kind of see it in a different light because I, I do want to do so much. And I have, you know, like you, I have a lot of energy and I want to like share it with people and share it with the community, but you know, we are human at the same time too. And there's only so much and there's constant obstacles. I, I think I posted on it today. Like, you know, God does not say that we won't have trials. In fact, he 100% confirms that throughout the Bible, but it's more so that he is with us, you know, through all those trials. And so I think that that's, um, that's an interesting part. And in, in, in this faith series, I've talked to a lot of women too, that have said like, you know, I don't believe God gave me cancer. 
I believe, you know, that we're in a world that has sin and has disease and has all these things. Um, but I do believe that, you know, God is there with me. And so I think that that's sometimes it's like shifting our perspective to like what the bigger picture is, which is hard to do easy to say, but you know, like it's, it's kind of getting through to that. Um, I love your whole thing about life after cancer. I feel like it's kind of uncharted territory just within this community. Um, so I, I would love to know kind of like, what's the biggest challenge that you face in this world of I'll put quote unquote life after cancer, but you know, after your kind of active treatment is done, what's been the hardest thing that you've kind of had to tackle or face or is ongoing or just in general life after cancer challenge? It would be trying to find myself again, mm -hmm. picking up those broken pieces of the old Rhea and learning that the old Rhea is not going to come back. Um, and to basically build the new Rhea to, I think in my perspective that even though I miss the old self, my old pre-cancer self, I feel like I'm a much better person now. Um, and that is with my faith in God and to be able to help others. Um, probably the pre-cancer self of my myself wouldn't be as daring or just like sharing like my vulnerability on social media, you know, sharing my bad days or sharing like a picture of me like crying. Mm -hmm. I mean, that honestly was really hard when I first put it to, to actually post a picture of yourself like at your most vulnerable time, or even like for some women, it's okay for them to share them being bald. For me, I wasn't like that. That's why like, I didn't want anyone to look at me differently. I always wore wig, I always wore hat. And I give props to all the women who can just walk out the door with no hair, you know, to walk out and just be like, this is me. But for me, I couldn't do that, especially when going through cancer. Probably me now, yes, I probably wouldn't give a F and just go, <laughs> right? But I just feel like it has kind of strengthened my faith in God. It has just helped me just grow as a person who, you know, just knows what they want and now has this path that God has set for me. But as far as the challenges, there are still challenges as far as the bad days, you know, of, you know, some days, especially with the whole COVID, it's hard not for your mind to wander because before COVID, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm a busy mom. So, you know, I have my kids, I, I bring them to school, I do all of this stuff. I don't have time to sit and wander. But now with COVID, it's kind of, you still have, you have a little more time. I mean, I think it's good and bad because good because you spend a little more time with your family you're, you know it slows you down mm -hmm. and so it's like look you gotta slow down you gotta realize all this stuff instead of being always busy but it for me as a cancer survivor it's kind of just like okay that gives me time for my head to to start thinking and then the struggles that I have been well I'm working on is setting boundaries whereas if set those boundaries so you are mentally it you know your mental is good so basically meaning 
I will only I will only surround myself with people that are good for my mental health and still working on saying no. Like mm -hmm. I want to help, but there's only so much I can do. You know, um, I will tell you like there's a big organization that asked me to do something for them. And I was, I was so happy and I wanted to do it and all of this other stuff. And it, it would be for a whole year. But then in reality, I, I thought about it as like, I can't do it because my life is busy. I can't do all of this stuff, especially for a whole year that, yes, I would love to do it because it'd be something that'd be great, but I don't have time in my life with my overfilled plate to fill it, you know, to fill it. And I think that's where I kind of learned like last year, I overfilled my plate. I overextended myself and it became, I became very overwhelmed. And so this time this year, I decided that I will set those boundaries, learn to say no, um, keep my arms length at certain situations because I mean, mind you, I love to help people and I, I love to be there for them. But I also have to think of myself and I also have to think of my family. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that there's a time and a place for everything. And it's just, I just think this year has just been such a great learning and healing experience that my struggles are starting to like lessen because I'm starting to learn how to cope with them. Whether it's if, I'm like having this anxiety. Of course, I'm going to go gym. Well, if gym is closed, I'm going to go to church. And usually my church is like open on the weekdays and just social distancing, or I'll, I'll just figure out something or whatever. I just basically my struggles, I would find ways to cope. And it has been great. And another way I am healing is helping others. I feel like I said, it's earlier that it's therapeutic, like, doing that and sharing my, my struggles and my stories and how I feel on my Instagram. It's just been really therapeutic and it's been really helpful that I'm just in a place where I feel really good. And I feel like God has really shown me where I need to be. And like, you know, like what you were saying, how women don't think that God gave them cancer. I don't think either. I think it's just something that happens that what my doctor said is all of us have cancer cells in our body, but it, the switch has to turn on in order for that cancer cell to be active. And I mean, I don't, I don't like to dwell upon that. Okay. I had cancer. Poor me. I want to be like, I'm a cancer survivor, a cancer thriver. This is how I'm thriving, you know? And the biggest thing for me too, as far as just like with these struggles, sometimes I feel like God's listening because every now and then I'll have these struggles. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to share it on social media. You know, you want to keep it private. You don't have to put your whole entire life on Instagram, right? Or on social media. But every now and then I would get like a DM late, and it's been lately, like I'll get a DM or lately where someone will like say to me, like Rhea, you know, I, you're such a light 
And that just, that means a lot. You know, you're such a light and you're such a light in this community or I can see you, you're so, what, is, what was one? It's something like um, you, you're radiant. I can see all these positive vibes as, you know, as I read your story, as I look at your pictures, it's like those kind of things, or just like, if I, I'm so thankful that I, I came upon your page because I am reminded that I'm not alone. And that's one of the biggest things mm -hmm. is knowing me being able to share my struggles and me being vulnerable to let someone know, even just one person know that they are not alone because in social media world, as we know, people get to choose what they wanna post and they don't actually see what's behind the screen. So, I mean, it's kind of just like, you know, this is what you see, but you also don't know what's going on behind the screen. So sometimes me sharing those vulnerabilities helps someone out there know that they're just not alone, that there's what they're feeling are valid, you yeah. know? Yeah. I love that. Like there's so much goodness in all of what you just said. I, I honestly think you have really put like the, the, the tail on the donkey or I don't even know how to say it, like the bullseye to me of like what the challenge of life after cancer is identity. And I feel the way that you described it, I can relate to so much. And I'm seven years out, you know, seven and a half years out from, from my treatment, but this, uh, I, you know, it's kind of an identity crisis at the beginning. And you're, you're like, I'm not this person, but I'm not this new person yet. And you're trying to kind of figure it out. And, and it takes some time, it takes some healing. And I think that you're definitely in that process of kind of making peace with letting go of some of the old Rhea and like kind of rediscovering like who this new Rhea is. And I think you've really verbalized, like I can relate to that so much, just this whole life after cancer. And, and it's this identity and seeing pictures that um, I think Bridget, you know, who was one of your girls too, like recently, like talked of a, a photo that reminded her of her old self. And she looks at that photo and says like, I, I know who this person is, but I don't know who this person is anymore. And I have that photo too. And like, I, I think back to that one and, you know, how carefree and how, you know, didn't have to think about how many drinks I could have in a day. Or like, if I don't do this workout, am I hurting myself? Like all these, you know, thoughts that go in your head. And I see this carefree person and there's not like a jealousy, but just kind of this like longing to, to be this like simple, did not know cancer person, you know, in this picture. But yet then I look at who I am today and I'm, I'm very much at peace too. And, and I'm happy with the wisdom I've gained. And I'm very proud of the path that God has led me on. And I want to just continue to be his humble servant, like in whatever way, you know, he, he chooses me to be. So it's, it's kind of this, like you're in that middle, you know, you're like still kind of trying to figure out this intersection. And I think that that, I think the listeners will really relate to that and just trying to understand life after cancer is not easy and, and we get it. And I think the more that we can talk about it and the more that you kind of let go of the old person and accept this new person, think of it like as a butterfly, you know, analogy, like that's probably the sooner that you'll get to peace, you know, and that's the only thing that I can use to describe it. But as you know, I ask every guest for a Tina tip and you've given so many throughout this whole show that like, 
I, I literally could bottle them all up and put them in a book, but what is the one thing that really speaks to you in terms of advice? And it can be to someone just finding out they have cancer. It can be someone navigating life after cancer. What is like some, some advice and it can be very practical. It can be more theoretical or just, you know, spiritual, but what's something that you would like to impart on the listeners today? My advice is that it is okay to grieve your old self. Mm. I think that will help you with your healing process because when we look as like what you're talking about, as we look at old pictures, you look at this is someone who didn't care, have to, you know, care about how many drinks they have to drink, or if this is what kind of pain, if this could be reoccurrence. Yeah. And I feel that it's healthy and much needed to actually grieve your old self to know that it's okay to grieve about them, that you miss this person, but it's also okay to not know them anymore. Mm -hmm. And it will help. I feel that it will help you move, give you, well, not move, but more of giving you that step in order to heal. Once you can let go of your old self, that you're able to re kind of revamp or kind of now more focus on this new self and you're able to make it just more of a you know you're just more a better version I'm guessing better said more better version of yourself now than you were before you're just you know you have you meet these new people and I I can say I've just met so many amazing people with this journey you know um, opportunities, just, just so many things. But like I said, that was, that's my advice that it's okay to grieve, you know, with your old self, look at those pictures, let those tears run out, run, you know, down your face, because it's okay. You know, this is someone you, you were before cancer, and you didn't expect cancer to hit you. But I just feel like it's, that vital point in order to help you move forward. You know, everyone can tell you, you know, oh, it's going to get better or it gets easier. I've, I've heard that it'll get easier. It gets better. It's, you know, as time goes, I've even heard it from my oncologist, you know, it will get easier. It, you know, it has a little bit you until I feel like you've been through it. You don't technically know, even if he's an oncologist, he, you know, he sees patients like every day, but I don't think he can see and he can hear from other patients what they go through. But every, I believe every person's story is unique and everyone heals differently. But I think that grieving your old self is one vital thing that needs to happen in order to heal. Because what I've seen on social media is like people go back they bring back pictures of their old self. And maybe that's a way of them helping them heal, you know, or grieving. But I think that's just like that vital piece to help you kind of just take that extra step or take that step in order to start healing. No, I think that's beautiful. And giving yourself that space to allow yourself to, to sit with it, understand the triggers that make you feel that, but ultimately grieving it. And 
And for many people, grieving can come in many different forms. Um, you know, it, it can just mean sitting with your feelings. It can mean writing out your feelings. It can mean talking to people, wh whatever form um, takes. But I, I do think there has to be, it could mean praying on it, whatever kind of thing that helps you through. I have always found writing extremely therapeutic, um, whether it's short blog posts, whether it's poems, whatever it may be, but writing has always kind of been such an instrumental tool for kind of allowing me in that space to release, you know, some of those emotions and feelings that I'm feeling. So Rhea, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. I love having you. We're going to definitely have to do this more often. I would love to know if the listeners want more Rhea, where can they find you? Cause you're so active on social media, but what kind of platforms, what kind of Instagram, what kind of following things do you have? Cause you actually have a couple handles. So I will let you share uh, where people can find you um, on Instagram. Well, you can find me on this girl is thriving, which is my cancer Instagram, or you can also find me on glowing up after cancer, which is, my guac group, which I share with my, what I call her, my breasty bestie, Heidi, <laughs> you know, and you can find me there as well. And then soon you will also find me on Young Survival Coalition. And I will, I was so honored to be asked to be part of their organization. And so you will be able to find me there as well. I'm so excited. This opportunity is like made for you. You're going to do awesome, awesome, awesome things. So Rhea, thank you so much again. Thank you for inspiring me this whole season on faith. It's truly been a journey and thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable on your story and all that has touched you and your faith journey. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I truly appreciate it. Thank you.